0: Please make sure to listen to the disclaimer at the end of this episode. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast, Episode 8, dealing with repetitive exercise injuries and marathon training with Andy and Will from the DIY Therapy Podcast.
1: I'm looking forward to having some real talk. With some real folks.
0: Hey, this is Greg with the Suburban Folk Podcast. My guests today are Andy and Will from DIY Therapy Podcast. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. Very good. Thank you for having us. Oh,
0: absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. I came across you guys some weeks back through social media and at the same time that Hi. I was doing <laughs> yeah, actually, it seems like our, our movie tastes and other stuff like that are about in sync, and I'm pretty sure even for kids and other stuff, we are we line up, the, yeah. yeah, we're facing the same challenges. So when I listened <laughs> to you guys, it, it sounded very familiar as far as some of the day to day things that you have going on. And as luck would have it the first episode I listened to was shin splints. And believe it or not, I was actually running when I was doing that, which was pretty interesting. And then the very next episode you guys did was on uh, injuries from repetitive exercises. And when I completed my triathlon episode, folks that I knew started to say, so when are you doing the triathlon? And I have a background in long distance running. So they said, Oh, are you going to try and PR and in, in running? And I've never met a challenge that you know, I haven't liked. So uh, it made sense to me to get out ahead of the injuries that I'm inevitably going to face and and bring you guys on to talk about some of those things and maybe what I can watch out for. Plus, I like the fact that it's DIY therapy because I'm the typical guy that it, there's got to be a lot going on for me to go to the doctor or to a physical therapist or anything like that. So I, I can use some of the tips to pretend like everything's okay and then you know (laughs) sneak away into a closet or something like that and and try some of the stuff that you guys suggest and and pretend that that nothing's wrong at all so so i think that's that's pretty cool concept as well um but before we got into some of that what is the history for you guys as far as when did you decide to do a podcast what were you listening to when you got interested in it how's it gone up to this point how's it gone as far as podcasting is concerned, yeah, it, like it, when it, you
2: started and it's certainly a learning curve because neither one of us are uh, technically sound. Yes. It's when it comes to computers and all that stuff. So that was, there was a big learning curve on that. Uh, there's a learning curve on, especially for ours, we're kind of a, a niche podcast. You know, there's not a whole lot, you know, our, you know, you, people will like, you know, I have shin splints. I'm going to listen to this specific one episode, and so you know, trying to maintain a an audience base is a little bit not tricky, but it's it's
1: challenging. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like a little bit of history behind us. We uh, we're both uh, physical therapists. Um, we actually uh, decided to, or we were working together, and we just just from a personality standpoint really hit it off, and from treatment philosophy standpoints, we really hit it off. Um, I had uh, started my own business uh, with a low back pain product, um, and at that point in time, Will kind of came on, and we're, we just kind of discussed, we're kind of discussing how we could continue to kind of expand the business, and since then, Will has uh, become a, uh, pretty much a full-time partner with me um, in regards to trying to grow, you know, our reach and um, really try to just kind of help other individuals uh, get through simple strains, pains, aches. Um, like you were kind of alluding to the majority of individuals, you know, will have some type of acrid pain, but they mm-hmm. won't go to the doctor. Um, and so how can they get through that whole process, whether it is a shin splint, whether it's back pain, whether it's neck pain, whatever it is, how can they get through that whole process more quickly? Um, and so, you know, we are, we're really ortho based musculoskeletal based. Yeah. You have to, you have to explain what ortho based. Yeah, so, uh, really sure. bones, joint joints, um, low back, neck, uh, uh, we're both active, also. Yeah. So um, when 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 you see or, ortho,
2: it's like people tend to think of just like the orthopedists. It's the same way with physical therapists. They de- we delineate between people who who people who kind of like speci- specialize into like neurological, so like strokes and whatnot, like that. And then the, every and ortho is kind of like the rest almost. It's like a not quite a catch all, but it's it, kind of though. Yeah,
1: yeah. In terms, I mean, we deal with people who are. Um, you know, elderly, have balance issues, deconditioned, all the way to that high level athlete. Yeah. So um uh, and, and also all the way into the pees. So uh children peds, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I tend to tech uh, talk very technical and Will kind of is good about dumbing it down. So are you saying I'm dumb? I am not saying you're dumb. I'm saying I'm dumb. Okay, all right, you're dumb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well actually luckily for me, my wife happens to be a physician. So even the term pees, I think before knowing her, yeah, I'd be like, what is that? But pediatrics, pediatrician. So I'm, I'm tracking with you, but, but I hear you sometimes you get into the acronyms and you assume people know what you're talking about and, and may not necessarily be the case.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: So the podcast is an extension of what you guys are doing as far as certain products that you're offering. And I even noticed, for example, with, um, I think it was after the marathon episode that, that you had some recommendations on like the knee bands and things like that. So, so that sort of, part of the package of part
2: of what it. you guys do. We started off more as just like an educational because we're, we're big on education.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what, you know, it kind of, and it kind of goes back to um, there, there's really kind of a change in how rehab specialists are starting to treat people. Um, it used to be, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago that we were really about just fixing a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our philosophies both from, and this is due to research experience, Um, but our philosophies have really changed from, you know, Hey, what is your diagnosis? What is specifically going on with your body to, you know, more or less, what can we do to help kind of take away some of those, uh, irritants, um, some of those agitations in your daily routine, what role do you play in your pain? Kind of go into a deep dive in terms of, you know, uh, kind of a self journey of, of what it is that's actually agitating those, those issues. Um, and be more of a facilitator versus a fixer. And and that's kind of the way that all rehab specialists are trending at this point. Um, you know, there's always kind of some trends that, that go along in, within industries, but this is kind of where I think you're, you're going to see most rehab specialists move towards. Um, we'd like to think that we're kind of on the beginning edge of it, um, whereas there are some facilities that really look or uh, rehab specialists that still look at just fixing that underlying problem. But the truth is that there isn't a lot of correlation to just a specific dysfunction and pain. Pain is much more complicated. And so we really try to uh, help individuals understand what all the variables are that are going into that pain, whether it is something like shin splints or whatnot. Um, and then also, you know, the products, as, as you know, you kind of asked, the products that we have kind of recommended moving forward are really more of an adjunct um, type of uh, Uh, Treatment option.
2: We want, yeah, we wanted to find ones that are specifically we knew were 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 good,
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. and help people and help push people along through that whole healing process because there isn't a quick fix. You know, we're kind of in this society where everybody wants to kind of line up, take a pill, and or (laughs) or, or, my mom about that last night, or or just get uh you know have surgery or whatnot. You know, how do I get that quick fix? And it's not you know it's not indicative of the people who want that. You know, it's not it's not because they're bad people. It's just that's what you know. Yeah, it's we're, we're where we are in
2: yeah, society. literally I mean we're
1: all roughly probably
2: in the you know early late thirties and stuff like that. So we all remember mm. we all all of us remember back when if we wanted to watch a movie or even a show, you had to wait for it to come out on DVD or VHS or whatever. Now literally everything is is dropped in your lap and you have access to everything at all times
1: yeah and unfortunately that has bled over to that. every, every i mean it, it
2: was always it was always bad but it was bad but i feel like it's getting not really
1: worse but it's 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 ticking up i feel yeah and, and i think the other thing is one of the big pushes for this the podcast we've created is that we feel like there are so many options that people aren't aware of that they that can really help them that can have a really large impact on their pain very quickly it's very simple
2: and it's 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 simple stuff yeah
1: i mean i you don't need
2: to go and get like a 20-minute exercise routine
1: necessarily mm -hmm. um i still practice uh you know working one-on-one face-to-face with patients and at the end of the day a lot of times people go well that was really simple i can't believe all that Mm -hmm. all that worked and that's really what we're about is simple solutions to you know what some people think are complex problems, but really aren't. Okay? I mean, sometimes the the, the it, it is a complex problem, but the solution isn't necessarily
2: that. It's not rocket science. No, that's that's kind of where it, we're coming from. It's like it's like
0: I have back pain. Well, let's try this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I think sticking with the knee band example, that was something that I dealt with in the first marathon that I ran. And prior to doing any research, I probably would have gone with like the sleeve um, versus just the, the small band. Cause I don't know. I thought of basketball players that you see <laughs> that would wear them and didn't know anything about, and you guys might oh, yeah. talk about the, the patella and, and, and work for me. So I know during my research for whatever activity it is, it is helpful to have somebody that's doing it day to day to say, yeah, try this first at least. You know, you can wade through some of the the bad options, whether it's something that looks too good to be true, or like you said, keep it simple and don't don't do something major when when there might be a, a quicker fix. Absolutely. So transitioning to the the marathon part, Will, you talked no, about. No, I wasn't running Andy. <laughs> oh, it was Andy that ran it. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> fine. Uh, so. So it sounds like the training plan was uh, pretty quick then. And uh, training plan, I believe, is uh, generous. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think a little background probably is needed here. Sure. Um, so I, I am 36, three years ago, I, I ran a marathon and not by choice, um, but by. Um... I feel like you
2: had some say in the matter.
1: Okay. So here's how this went, right? <laughs> I am by, by, uh, uh, I I have been fit my entire life. I'm not no longer fit. I played, uh, soccer in college. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would, I would say that I was actually a fairly decent soccer player, but not because I had any skill, but because I just was naturally very fit, could run forever. Mm -hmm. And so, um, over the years after we, my wife and I had a couple kids, uh, my son, uh, would not go back to sleep when he was about two and a half years old. And so I would actually wake up at three, thirty, four o'clock and I'd run him in the stroller. Uh, I made the offhand comment of, to my wife that, you know, gosh, and, uh, I'm, I'm running so much. I could practically run a marathon. <laughs> right. And, and it goes back to my wife who is actually very fit and was, about two weeks out from running her first marathon, where she all of a sudden had um, IT band uh, issues, uh, bursitis in the hip, etc., and she had to actually pull out and not not complete it. And it's been one of her kind of lifelong dreams to do so. And um, she said, "Well, you can't run a marathon." <laughs> and I said, "What? Absolutely, I can run a marathon." And that's where the problem started. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And so from there, she said, well, okay, you could, but you don't have the time to train for it. And then, of course, I dig deeper and I say, well, who needs to train for a marathon? I feel like that's not necessarily digging deeper. It's pulling the dirt over the top of you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely loading the old, your own gun right there. Um, but so from there, you know, she said, okay, well, go ahead and do it. And I said, all, all, all right, um, I, I, I shall. And she, we kind of established these rules where, I, like I said, I did, I was running at the time, um, but I wasn't allowed to run any more than what I was already running. So I was running uh, maybe three, four times a week, maybe thirty to forty-five minutes at a time, maximum of maybe six, seven miles, at, you know, per session. But that was very irregular, also. So typically, it was about three or four miles that I was running at a time. And that's what I continue to do all the way up until uh, the marathon. Um, I then proceeded to um, mock my wife even more by not tying my shoes during the marathon, having a giant cup of coffee right before the marathon. I didn't know you didn't tie your shoes. Yeah, my shoes were never tied. Yeah, Wow. Um, my shoes were never tied. Um my my cousin actually came in from Oklahoma to run it with me. He had a whole bunch of friends that he brought with him too, and they all mocked me the night before when we were loading up, carb loading the night before, and they didn't realize that I hadn't been uh, that I hadn't been training, and they were all taking bets over and under on when I would crash. <laughs> uh, and then I proceeded to go out of the gates, and within the first uh, half. Marathon, the half, the halfway point. I was at uh, one twenty eight. Wow! Um, yeah, I was at a ridiculous pace and feeling terrible. Because <laughs> <laughs> what is that thirteen point? At that point, that's thirteen point one, right? Thirteen point one. That's right. Yeah. So um, continued uh, continued down that path for a bit, and then the last seven miles were. <laughs> Uh, we're just not good in any regard. I mean, my bones were hurting. I could feel every um, every step. In fact, I remember getting to about the 23 mile point, and my kids are out there with signs and everything, and they're like, "Yay, Dad!" And my wife's like, "It's all downhill from here." And I'm like, "No, downhill's not good at this point because I can't like uphill's better because all the pounding going downhill. So, anyways, I, I did end up finishing at about 3:45, um, which I was pleased with but I could not move for the next month. Um, legitimately the next <laughs> month. I had trouble going downstairs for a week. Um, I actually didn't even take the day off the next day and I couldn't wear shoes the next day when I was in the clinic. Uh, it was it was I won the battle but I lost the war is what I always tell people.
0: Specifics around the training plan. So how many weeks or months were there when you were doing sort of the off cycle? runs that were probably not the distance that you wanted to be doing was that for two months three months leading up to it or was there less time you just
1: sort of had to get in what you could well I I was I was at that point running just consistently so that was kind of the rule was I wasn't going to increase any of my running so I mean I think we made the bet in early June and then the it was mid-October when the marathon was so okay but my training didn't change at all I, you know and it wasn't as if I was I, I would say the one thing I did do differently was towards the end, I started do increasing my pace significantly, but that that was about it. Um, yeah, that was about it. Would you recommend this to a No, this is a terrible idea. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> on every level.
0: Yeah, and I actually was very much the opposite for the first marathon I did. I didn't consult any marathon training schedules. I just said, okay, if I add an extra mile to my long run over the weekends, then I'm going to hit 20 miles, something like six or seven weeks out from the marathon. And then I know I'll be able to run it. So I basically was set to run 20 plus miles for a month and a half before (laughs) I got into the marathon, which was not good. Uh, Luckily, the first time I ran a 20 miler, I thought I blew my knees out. Uh, When I was done, and you know, getting showered and cleaned up. I could barely feel them. You know, It was very creaky for quite a while. So I had to pull back just from risking injury at that point. And then my marathon, I was just beat up at that point. So I ran like a 3.55 for the first one. I was just wanting to be under four hours, but very much the other way. And the other stupid thing I did, I pulled it off. So it's kind of a nice talking point. I was playing in bands at the time. So I sent an email to the to the people running the race and said, "Hey, could my band play at the finish line? Oh, no. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be cool for Wait, me to We were going you have to finish and then jump in the band?" Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and you know, I thought they were going to say, "No, we don't even know if you can finish a marathon. Why would we, <laughs> you know, allow allow the prime spot?" Not only that, not only did they say I could, they actually did a feature article on me in the local <laughs> paper. And so I'm like, oh man, i'm I am in now. I am committed. So yeah, I, I took like twenty minutes to sort of stretch, but then I played guitar for like an hour, which <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, you know, stiffened up. It, it was good for you. Yeah, you've been good <laughs> I mean, smart life choices is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you live and learn, I guess. Cool story, but similar. I was I was miserable for the next week and a half. I think I had to go play golf a couple days later and um if I kept walking, it was all right, but yeah. if I had to stop or sit down, I was a mess. Yeah. So uh, well, really how many have you,
1: how many of you ran now, Greg? Uh actually
0: only two marathons, um it, uh, about eight half marathons. So okay. it, the half marathon i treat kind of like you're saying for the marathon i, I can pretty much run that whenever um sure. e- even if i'm not in a regular training plan uh, but for the marathon itself um obviously needs a little bit more focus and i've signed up for a running group at this point over the winter for a marathon that's in march and the other thing i said for the last one i did is i was a 3:24 so i did much much better oh, with good. my right. second marathon so i was like oh man this is so dangerously close to Boston qualifying. Know, you know, once yeah. you get into those those higher levels, so I was like, all right, if I'm going to do another one, might as well give it a shot. So I figure maybe the the training group will be the thing to get me over the hump. Now I just read that uh, they've decreased the times by five minutes. So oh, really? Like, yeah. So it, it would have been for my age group three ten. Now it's back down to three o five again. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens. The training guy said, "Well, it's not impossible, but you know, getting that that twenty minute uh, time reduction is going to take some work on your part." So yeah, that's, that's right. and,
1: and So, so you're, you now you you've changed your uh, training patterns, I'm assuming, so that you're not running those big long runs. A month and a half out correct so you have you've kind of timed it better i'm assuming because that's kind yeah. of, that's kind of the goal for most of those uh if you look at and you can get some ba- as you know you can get some basic uh uh training schedules out there but the goal is to peak about that week and a half out or so uh, prior to the marathon so that would be the one thing that i think you probably changed
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah the tapering—you just have to trust that it's going to happen because I think most people that do this type of exercise, you have a hard time switching your brain to say that you need to lay off and let your body recover. Yeah, up to run, the race. Yeah. I mean, you know,
2: most, most anybody who's like into a thing is like that, especially runners are. You tell them they can't run, and it's like,
1: mm, yeah, I am not going to not do that. Well, we become a little obsessive, uh, right? I think it's the big thing. Yeah, and and as you know. um When we become, when we're training like that, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if I actually let off, am I going to lose something where the recovery is actually what you need? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, you become fit in rest as opposed to the opposite way around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Agreed. And actually, foreshadowing one of the things I really want to hit from your guys' perspective is, what types of injuries can you continue to train through and what would be some of the signs to say, okay, something's not getting better, whether that's just a time frame of a nagging injury that just doesn't go away or severity of the pain. I'll be very curious to get your guys' perspective on what that looks like and what to be looking for so that you don't do major damage when you're, when you're in the middle of training. So I thought maybe if we would, let's say literally from top to bottom for what the, typical injuries are I'm thinking the highest would be probably
1: back pain i um, talking about in terms of running or are you talking okay. mm, for running okay yeah so I mean really in terms of uh running I don't think back pain we don't get a ton of no um and partly because you know when you really look at like runners and the age brackets that are doing these running most people have more of a um uh in this age bracket are going to have more of a disc issue. And when you're running upright, that doesn't really affect the disc too much. It's almost better for it. Yeah. Now the one thing I would say is, you know, there's this, this um, in terms of back pain, you know, the, the one thing that people tend to do right after they run is they stretch out their hammies. Okay, so they're doing all this repetitive flexion, or they're sitting on the ground and they're doing the runner stretch, et cetera, et, okay, et cetera. So in this case, flexion is basically
2: bending over and, and like touching your toes. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. and flexion
1: your is in is your in your back. So when you are standing uh, or uh, running for a long period of time, that that disc will actually become very heated, and then when you um, go and bend over right afterwards, that. You go from all this extension or bending backwards during the running to all of a sudden forward bending very quickly and for static periods. And with that disc really heated, you can actually open yourself up to some susceptibility to injury right then and there. Yeah, it's like it's like you know heating up a, a metal. You know, like it, you, it's fine, it's fine, and then you try to bend it
2: once it gets to a certain point, you can you can actually bend it.
1: Yeah. So if you're gonna like, so the one thing that I would actually tell that I tell a lot of runners that do have back pain and. Uh, I find that there are people who do a lot of the hamstring stretch, bending over, those types of things. You know, do it actually on your back, and it's called a 90-90 stretch, but you would you would just lay on your back, you put your hands behind your knees, you get your hip to about 90 degrees, and then you kick your knee out straight and stretch your hamstrings in that way. And when you're doing it that way, you're actually isolating the hamstrings versus getting any forward bending in the spine, which is what you want to avoid when that disc is super heated like that.
2: So, and, and, and a lot of, a lot of races I've noticed they're actually having, I mean, the therapists there, they have a uh, physical therapist will be there. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. your marathon, you probably, yeah, have So you,
2: they'll and they'll stretch you out and you know, I wouldn't necessarily have them stretch your calf cause that they can't do a very good job of that. But I would stretching your hamstring, and having them lay down and stretch your hamstring for you. That would be a good alternative.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's a big thing that we see from the calf um, when, or yeah. I'm sorry, the, the low back. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How's this <laughs> uh, going? yep yeah, Real well. Um, <laughs> so but If we're moving down the body, then the next stop is really the hips. And mm-hmm. um, there, you know, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Greg, but, you know, hip bursitis. Uh, hip arthritis. Hip. Well, some people have <laughs> hip arthritis. Some old yeah. people. Uh, but hip uh, hip uh, bursitis is the next big thing, and that's really when there there's what's called a bursa sac that sits on the outside of the hip, um, and there's several different structures that either can start to irritate that uh, bursa sac and or um, get it inflamed, um, and so. Most of the time, that's going to be your IT band. Um, For those who are runners out there, they're very familiar with the IT band, IT band rolls, IPT band stretches, etc. The other big muscles that are attached to that area, though, are um, actually your uh, glute medius and then your piriformis muscle. Um, And those should probably be stretched out also. Um, in regard- and you, have, you might have better luck stretching
2: those muscles than you would your IT band, really.
1: Yeah, actually, the IT band, you're really never going to be stretching. You're going to be more or less stretching the muscle that's attached to it, which is the TFL. But that's another whole other That's discussion. a whole, yeah. yeah. Um, but with that being said, there are, you know, you can do some rolls and things like that. And there are some uh, benefits from doing that, especially if you feel like you're getting some relief from that. Um, in regards to like, okay, what are the signs and symptoms of uh, you know, greater trochanter bursitis, this hip bursitis, this lateral hip pain, all kind of um, put into one little bucket there. Um, outside pain, uh, point tenderness, uh, not being able to lay on that uh, spot. Um, you know, um, I think the big thing with people is really understanding how your body responds to different activities. So it's one thing if, hey, you know, you start walking, Or you start doing your jog and you have a little bit of soreness, but you kind of work that out and then you keep running. And then really, what are you doing or what are you experiencing after that run? Okay. So after a training session, you know, are you having hip pain? Does it come on? Does it, does it last for five, 10 minutes, but then go away? Um, Or is it something that's lingering for 20 to 60 plus minutes? Um, When we talk about repetitive stress syndromes, um, which again is something that we see a lot in runners. Um, This is really more about um, how long do your symptoms last? If your symptoms are lasting um, less than 20 minutes, it's usually not a major concern. Okay. If you're waking up in pain, if you're waking, if you're having pain that's lasting that hour plus, then you know that you've probably done too much and you have to start to look to either alter your, your training, giving yourself more rest in between and, or in terms of the duration of your current training um, session, you need to Start to actually, um, you know, lessen that, and then look to see, you know, again for the hip that we just talked about. Look to see if what happens when you start to stretch some of those structures and how then that affects the pain following your and would training. You say ice? And of course, ice with any type of repetitive stress
2: syndrome. Hip, I think with hiperciditis that is trickier to ice because it's so deep. There's it's, it's it's so close to the bone that it's it's hard. You know, underneath all the muscles and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to get at with the ice, but it's never a bad thing to try
1: yeah absolutely um go ahead greg
0: and as far as the stretches are concerned would this be before as well as after you get ready for a run for example you know i definitely subscribe to active stretching which i think just really translates to start slow when you're running and then also of course allow for some amount of cool down would these stretches be after that um or even before you run or primarily afterwards? Uh,
1: you know, I'll tell you what I played, uh, division one soccer and I never stretched once before ever playing. Um, and I had almost zero injuries. Um, I, (laughs) I, you know, the research doesn't actually indicate that stretching afterwards is, or before is really going to have much of an impact, but in terms of, you know, getting that, that blood flow to the tissue and and a, a warm up. You know, a much smaller dose of whatever run you're going to be doing, taking a moment to to relax for five minutes in between that, and then moving forward, there is some um, there is some research that supports those types of things. The big stretching that I would really make sure that you're doing, like people just have this this concept that they have to stretch following a um, following any type of. Well, we've um, been beating it into their skulls for. 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. They have to, you know, and, and there isn't a ton of research that indicates that even after directly, after doing these things, that stretching is going to have much of an impact. It's when you're tight later okay Um, providing a different input to the system to your brain to the tissue um, that allows that those muscles to relax it's a positive input that allows that muscle to relax allows the nervous system to relax so it's something that i you know a lot of times you can get more benefit from those stretches by breaking up that tightness that occurs after the run 60 minutes and out you know two hours later right in the morning those types of things so that you're not uh, creating, you know, that, that those first couple steps after a long training, you know, yeah, especially in the morning,
2: it'd be a good, a really good time to do it.
1: Yeah. Now that does not mean that, you know, you cannot stretch right afterwards. It also does not mean that you cannot stretch right before your run. Those are all still appropriate. They're not going to hurt you. And, but, but in, in regards to like what we really recommend, it's okay. Once you've tightened up, then get that input in there on a regular basis and try to find some consistency with it. So, you know, if you're training for long runs, you should also be incorporating, you know, let's say you run in the morning, you know, you should be incorporating a couple stretches, you know, at 11 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning, then, you know, three o'clock and then before you go to bed. So that's, that becomes part of your training, um, your training process, if that makes sense.
0: I love that answer because I try to get out there and start running as quickly as I can. So, you know, a mile in, I'm still saying, am I doing this <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than getting to the point where I'm just thinking about it and thinking about it with the stretches? Cause it's almost like it's too easy to just stop right then. It's like the treadmill. That button is right there that I can hit stop at any point versus, you know, if I run eight miles away from my house, I got to get back somehow. Yep, somehow. So, <laughs> so, uh, no, I actually am very happy to hear you guys say that because, uh, A, when I'm sitting at my desk after I've done a run, uh, that gives you uh, you know something else that you can be doing to help your training um, and as well as just from a time management standpoint. When you're doing your run, it's the run. Yeah, think when you're doing marathon you know, training time. stuff. That, that's a lot of time-consuming stuff right for sure um continuing to work our way down hamstring and quads i would assume would be next i know i've dealt with some hamstring issues here and there uh that luckily i've been able to just work through and usually would loosen up while i was running but uh what are some things to watch out for uh, around those areas
1: yeah so um i mean i think kind of uh first of all when you're talking about um you know identifying what is good and what what is bad you know, from here on out, it kind of goes along that same pattern, right? Um, You know, what do you feel like not 20 minutes after your run? What do you feel like, obviously, you know, uh, several hours, an hour later? Um, So you're you're looking for those types of signs and symptoms of did you do too much? Um, If you're having sharp pains, um, you know, difficulty while actually running, you you need to stop. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, there's a difference between getting up, being stiff, you know, um, going for that run and slowly loosening up after five, 10 minutes versus, Hey, you know, I'm starting to actually experience like a sharp pain, nagging pain that isn't going away. Um, so anytime that you're, you're, you know, and for people who are runners, you kind of have an idea of, you know, okay, yeah, I'm a little achy. Yeah. There's a little bit of discomfort here, but I've experienced this before and you know, it'll work, it, itself, it'll out. work itself out after, right. after I get going. I mean, um, but when you start experiencing some, something new, take a step back, walk for a bit, get back, you know maybe walk for five minutes, start start at a slower pace again, see if it returns. Um, if it returns, then you're probably done for the session you know um, and, and then just come back ice, um, because who knows if there is at some point, you know, some kind of inflammatory response, you know, most likely there isn't a structural damage, but it would be more of a tendonitis type of issue. Um, uh, you know, but. At, and where would you feel a tendonitis issue for the hips, for the hamstring? You're going to feel it in two different places. You're yep. going to see it really up high, right at the, where basically your sit bones are. Yeah. Cause um, you might, you might even confuse it with butt, your butt, your with yeah. the pain in your butt. Yeah. Or right behind the knee and yeah. you know, there's, there's, that'll be more obvious, obviously. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, the hamstring actually consists of three different muscles. Um, so there's several tendons on the inside and several tendons or an tendon on the outside. And so that's when, you know, th- there could be pain on both inside or outside of the knee. In other words, like the medial or lateral, that doesn't help people. No, um, the inside
2: or out. So it, it, it the medial is like the part where your knees are touching your the inside of your knees
1: and then the laterals, the outside. Yeah. Um, so it could be anywhere through those areas, but then, you know, what I usually tell people is most hamstring injuries really aren't truly hamstring injuries. Um, uh, which people kind of look at me like I've got three heads when I say that um, most Um, chronic hamstring injuries are more of a sciatic nerve irritation. So there are some nerve glides that you can obviously do some hamstring stretches, but then there are also some nerve glides that you can do that can actually free up the sciatic nerve that runs along that whole same track. Um, And those glides actually will have, um, uh, they really actually look like a a hamstring. They look like a hamstring stretch with just a little bit of deviation to it. And we can certainly send you a, a pic of those. Uh, mm-hmm. you, if you needed to uh, post that on, on your, uh, on any of your, uh, social media stuff for this, but, um, those can be very effective for it. Most of the time, the hamstring injuries, um, you know, unless there's like a, a significant amount of bruising or all of a sudden swelling that occurs, it, it, a lot of times is either going to be that tendonitis or the sciatic nerve irritation. Um, so that's always something to be, um, yeah. And a sciatic nerve will be the
2: way to tell the two, the two apart is because The tendonitis will be point it would be it'll be either either of those two spots it'll be in your butt or it'll be down by your knee the sciatic nerve issue could be a lot of times it's
1: more in the muscle belly. yeah yeah so differentiating those two things can be challenging but the the good news is you're not going to hurt um either one by treating both yes and they're both very similar so it's just important to put the little the little tweak in with the hamstring or with the sciatic nerve stretch as far as the quadricep uh, most people are going to have pain, um, really more more or less right above the kneecap, um, or right under, under the area kneecap. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the patella tendonitis. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. there's quadricep tendonitis, and then there's patella tendonitis, and and really the the difference between those two things is one is above, then one is close. below the kneecap. Um, those are the, really the what I found is that the patellar tendonitis is more painful than the quadricep. Um, yeah. I've, I've had the patellar tendonitis it, it's, I've never, yeah, and it's more common. Like, yeah. Um, and it's just the way that the mechanics of the knee yeah, actually the work that, um, because of how the, the, the way the, the way it's pulled, actually yeah. pulling across the function and, of everything. Yes. Yeah. It, it, um, so there's a lot of compression that's placed on that anterior knee during the repetitive jogging and running, especially when you start to get up going up into hills and things of that nature. Um, but ice gentle ham or gentle quad stretches for that. That usually isn't nearly as much of a nerve issue as the hamstring is. So that's going to, that's going to be more musculoskeletal, um, or that, that those tendinitis. And Ice ice works really good for that sort of stuff because it's right there. Yep. But again, same rules apply, you know, yep. how are you feeling 20 minutes after your session? You know, um, And a lot of times, um, I I will say this, that if you are having some of these tendinitis type issues that, you know, kind of going back on what I said earlier, a little bit of stretching before probably is beneficial so that you don't irritate it right away. Um, Even like the active stretching is kind of like what you were talking about is not, is
2: the, I think the best way to do it to kind of get some blood flow in the area. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that that kind of covers the uh, quad. Hamstrings. Um, I guess the the next section would be probably just general knee pain, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is a little bit more tricky. That is way tricky. <laughs> um, and just because they're, you know, I mean, it could be ninety different things. Yeah, it really could, it could be all of those things. This is going to be something where you probably need a little bit more rest. Um, you know, typically when you're talking about actual knee pain, joint pain, um, it's going to feel deeper. Yeah, it'll be. You'll feel mm-hmm. inside the joint. Everything else will be
2: the way I always kind of describe it is like, if, can you touch it? Like if it's, if it's, if it's muscular, you can touch it you can kind of manipulate the pain where if it's pain that is like this kind of pain, you can't access it.
1: You can't get to it. Yeah. Um, this would be, um, something where you, a lot of, ra- uh, ice, um, a lot of rest, um, and watch the rep, like watch when you're training for something like this, you're, or when you're training to try to avoid pain with this, you want to train on flatter surfaces, um, that pounding of going down a hill or that more, the little bit more joint pressure that you get in the joint going up a hill is going to be more problematic. And you might be able to differentiate, you know, whether or not it's more, you know, patella tendonitis, quad, you know, quad tendonitis, um, versus kind of a deep pain by, do you also have pain, you know, twisting, um, You know, do you have more pain when you are doing more of a hilly type of terrain versus a a flatter surface? You know, those are types of things that sometimes sometimes can differentiate whether or not it is something that's a little bit more structurally inside that's irritated. But this is the same thing. It's more of an irritation. You know, most likely just a, a general running isn't going to all of a sudden, you know, quote unquote, and I don't mean to use bad terminology here, but tear up your knee. It's just that the tissue inside has had enough and it's basically saying, hey, knock it off. Um, And so that's where the rest comes in, which is challenging for a runner. runner. And so
2: this, going back to your, your, the original knee brace, the knee sleeve you're looking at, a knee sleeve
1: mm -hmm. for this kind
2: of injury is not necessarily a bad idea because it'll help keep some of the swelling
1: out. Yeah. And so, you know, part of the, the, uh, the thing that is challenging for individuals is when they do have to start to pull back on some of their, their um, exercises or their routine, their training regimen, is that you know, the question is, okay, well, now I'm feeling a little bit better. How do I then progress that or how do I get back into my training uh, let's say you took two weeks off. Well, most people want to then jump right back to where they were from that that stopping point where it doesn't mean that you have to start from the beginning, but you need to start systematically starting to load the joint, uh, get it tolerant and resilient to those types of strains again, and then slowly expand off of that. So, you know, not to say that it can set you back months and months, but it may set you back several weeks um, and that's important that when you're, when you're training for these types of things, that this may be just where you're at from a, you know, from a physicality standpoint that you, you've got to just kind of um, be realistic with yourself, you know, and say, okay, well, you know, my body's telling me this, I can't push through this. Otherwise it's going to continue to get irritated, you know?
0: And I imagine that something else to make sure people do, again, learn from my mistakes is the shoes that you wear probably... Uh, would impact, no pun intended, uh. how, how how well your knees do. Uh, for example, when I did that first marathon where I just felt really bad and, and, and had uh, knee issues, I had like a pair of off-the-rack shoes. I think I wore them through the entire training, which – is you the shoes are gone? They're they're worn out at that point. Um, versus the next time I bought a couple of different pairs, I would rotate them. They were much better quality. Um, do you guys subscribe to the same thing? As far as make sure you uh, don't cheap out on the equipment. Yeah, the first thing I would say is tie your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I agree. I don't.
2: I feel like we don't need. To Tell people that, but I mean, we had to tell you
1: and you're educated uh, yeah. and you still
2: didn't do it. So no,
1: actually I, I still run, I'm wearing my running shoes right now that are never, ever tied. Um, anyways, yeah, I can, uh, I can attest. So, true. so, um, yeah, you know, there are. There, there are certain challenges when we say, "Okay, get a quality running shoe," because everybody's feet are uh, different, so different. Uh-huh. Um, right. But you're, you're absolutely correct. When you find the right fit for your shoe, you should be, you should be buying a higher quality shoe that has, um, you know, like I remember a, a few years ago, I actually went, like I, I was running so much that I was like, "Okay, well, I'm buying so many different shoes," and we had our second child, and I was like, "Well, geez, I'm just." you know what i'm just going cheap with this and i'm buying you know a 40 dollar shoe off the that nobody wants off the you know in in these discount stores and i could tell the difference right off the bat you know there isn't usually as much of a cushion there wasn't as good of an arch support um it actually wasn't flexing in the right right places um so i mean when you're looking at shoes you know there, there are a couple shoe uh, stores that we actually have in town here that will actually let you go run around the block. You know, I would look to see if you can try a shoe. Yeah, most most, most cities will have
2: that where there's a, an actual dedicated running store where you, they still let you go up for a run in the
1: shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely from a... I mean, to get into specific recommendations, knowing that everybody's got different shaped feet, it, it's really hard for us to, to, nah, I don't, to, yes. to kind of pinpoint that. But it is one of those things that... The, the higher quality shoe ch- tra- uh, ch- changing your shoes out. Um, yes, absolutely. Recommend yeah. y- you it. You're absolutely correct.
2: The good one with the arch support. That's a,
1: that, that's an under
2: underrated one.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I don't know if I have a ton more to comment on that. Just secondary to the fact that yeah. everybody's so stinking different. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, and, 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 changing them out. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that would be my experience. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um,
2: if you don't have it some percent like i have a a garmin watch and you can plug in uh when you get new equipment and it'll it'll log the miles that equipment gets Mm -hmm. you know and then it'll tell you oh it's time to change your shoes and that's kind of nice because sometimes because i don't run long distances i would always just run you know like three four miles five miles and so i i run in uh well when i did run um in more of a thinner, like not necessarily all the way minimalist, but it was mm-hmm. you know, no cushion to my shoes because it's just, I, that's the way I, I work my way down to it. I, I don't suggest going on doing that, but you know, I feel like I have more control if that makes any sort of sense. And it, it was, it was with, with that one, it's hard to tell when those shoes specifically are down, you know, because with, with the Christian shoes, you can kind of look at the outside and
0: Oh, it looks like a marshmallow has been squished. So it's time to change those out yep, to move on, yeah. right? I definitely have no no background with the minimalist shoes. I know people that that get down to that point do like them, and like you said, definitely not for these types of long distances that we're running with. So, I think, I, but I, I wouldn't, was- I would not venture any recommendation for those.
2: Well, I was running a race. race and it was at midday during June. So it was at five o'clock in the afternoon. It was awful. Five o'clock in the afternoon in June. It was hotter than hot. <laughs> It was a road race, and it was so hot that the the tar was bubbling. Huh. There was a guy who was a sixty five year old man who was wearing nothing but shorts. And when I say nothing but shorts, I mean no shirt, no shoes, nothing. And he was just he was running on that tar, and wow. it's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Not to alienate anybody. No, but that I mean, <laughs> we we actually know a guy who barefoot runs. Yeah, and he's nuts
0: though. Yeah, he is. He's absolutely nuts. <laughs> we but, like him. Yeah, but, but he is crazy. Uh, yeah, you, even for me on the beach doing that, I, I, maybe two miles, <laughs> and that's we about the beach it. Beach full stop. Though know, is just hard. <laughs> I know. So continuing down, and I'll be a little selfish with the next couple because these are the injuries that tend to nag me the most. Sure. Um, and also, like I mentioned, you guys had just done an episode on shin splints. So um, for anybody that's interested in, in listening to your guys' episodes, I would definitely encourage you to go take a listen to that. And Maybe we can come back to it. Knock on wood, I have not really ever had any shin splints issues. I've known plenty of people that have. Um, but for me, in the I will describe the pain in my heel. I assume that's where like the Achilles would attach uh, to the very bottom of your foot. But I have definitely had in the past – really sharp pains there that would go away after a mile or two just getting through it and then throughout the day similar to what you guys are describing with other injuries just sharp pain when you first get up
2: is it worse in the morning
0: Uh, Yeah. When you first would get up. Yep. I would feel it when I, and before I got a chance to start moving and then just for the long period sitting at my desk when I'd first get up to, you know, go to the bathroom or something like that. We
1: can tell you what that is. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's, I mean, honestly, it's, it's twofold. Um, there's plantar fasciitis where it attaches to the base of the, or the bottom of the heel, um, and then there's also the Achilles, which is at the base of the heel. And those two attachment points are actually very, very closely oriented to one another. Um, and typically what happens is that whole area gets inflamed. Um, so like when you're talking about hurting directly in the morning, a lot of times what happens is when we're sleeping at night, most people sleep with their toes pointed. So in well, other
2: words, yeah, it, it, it shortened. Yeah, because if you imagine where you're you're either sleeping on your back or your sides or you're weird like me and sleeping in your stomach no matter how you do it,
1: generally your foot, your foot falls down, right? So you're pointing them down. So that just, mm-hmm. that naturally shortens all the yes. tissue in there. Um, and so then when we go to initially take a step or move the ankle, um, early in the morning, we have, uh, an initial strain or stress on that tissue, which causes you to have pain. Um, same thing with when you're static during the day at your desk, etc. Those things are typically put into a little bit more of a shortened position, or they're just not moved enough, and so then you again have that initial pain that you experience. Um, and then, of course, when you are beginning your running, what are you doing? You're pounding right on that area. All right. um, so. You know, what ends up happening is it is just, it does turn into a repetitive stress syndrome. They are, they are challenging because I mean, when we think about it, right. I mean, you can't, you can't not use your feet. Yeah. You're unless you're, you start to go non-weight bearing and get on crutches or Which is not a good choice for that either. Yeah. It's not a good choice. Um, You know, so you're constantly kind of, you know, having that repetitive strain through that tissue. So uh, right away, you know, what I, what I tell people, you have to get on a schedule with icing. Okay. Absolutely, get it on a get on a schedule with ice. Yeah. So if
2: you if you're at work, you can you know chuck some ice and you know in the freezer at work if you can, and then midday you know ice it throughout the day. Yeah.
1: Um, and then you can do a series of different like calf stretches where you know a lot of people don't realize that there's two sets of muscles with the calf. There's the gastrochemia gastrocnemius. Thank you. Soleus. And then the soleus. So you know you can do like what we would consider like a stair stretch, which would be um, to just let the heels hang off the edge of the stair. And you can do that with the knees straight and the knees bent. That's going to stretch those two different muscles. Um, when you're doing it with the knees bent, which is usually where that's usually where the problem is. Yeah. It's usually in the soleus muscle. You're going to feel a lower, a very much lower and almost deeper stretch. Um, and that will help that kind of lower portion of the muscle to stretch out. So it's not creating as much strain on the Achilles. Um, and then if you really try to get everything to relax back um, when you're on those stairs, you can actually feel that you get a stretch just kind of on the underside of your foot right where that plantar fascia is. Um, and so that, that would be just a very easy stretch that you can do. There's certainly a lot of other stretches where you can do a calf stretch against the wall with the knee stri- bent. Knees. Yeah, there's there are 10 billion calf stretches. Yeah, but then the other thing that I, I recommend for most people is – you really in the morning before you even put your foot down get a belt um, wrap it around your your toes and get a good stretch with the knee straight and the knee bent on that calf again so that you can stretch that tissue out so that that first initial kind of motion and weight bearing that you have during the morning isn't a negative impact on the tissue. So you're essentially not starting the whole inflammatory response off right away. And so if you can avoid that, then that can kind of set your day up for a little bit better success. Um, and then the following, the last thing is really that that, and you've probably seen this before being a runner, uh, the tennis ball stretch, again doing that, kind of rolling the tennis ball 30, 45 seconds on the mm-hmm. bottom of your foot. Um, you can do that for, or um, even a frozen water bottle too, frozen water bottle, but doing that directly in the morning again, so that that tissue is lengthened before you initially put that weight down and go from this, you know, eight hours, of really shortened position of the tissue to all of a sudden stretching it out with, you know, going through um, all the range of motions with all your body weight on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, avoiding those initial impacts and avoiding those moments where you, you, um, have pain is really the big thing. And that kind of goes back to like, we offer, um, we offer consultations, uh, wellness consultations where we, we look and we, we chat with people about, okay, specifically unique to you, when are you having those symptoms? And then we really problem solve. Okay. Well, how can we avoid those and modify that? Because if you can avoid some of those pains, that's really the quickest way to get some of that irritation down. Okay. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of sounds stupid and it's, well, I mean, the funny part
2: is it's like, it's, it have to be outside of yourself. Like sometimes you, you're just doing like your normal routine, like you're, you're doing, you know, I'm yeah, we're up, creatures of habit. Yeah, and, and you just, it's hard to, hard to pay attention to. You just kind of need somebody to
1: who's Objectively yeah, at it.
2: and like kind of walk you through, well, what is this? And then we also kind of know where the little triggers are. Like,
1: is it worse in the morning? You
2: know, kind of things. Mm-hmm.
1: But so that, that's how we, we would take someone through that. So, and then eventually you can do a little bit of strengthening for some of the intrinsic muscles in the foot. Um, what are intrinsic muscles? the small little itty bitty muscles in between all the, you know, even, and yeah. yeah, all the, all the bones in the foot. Um, and then finally working on some calf strengthening and things like that. But that's after, you know, the pain has been reduced and, and you can kind of move on with that. But um, I don't know. That's kind of an overview of that. Questions with that, Greg?
0: No, that's really helpful. I mean, the stretching uh, before I get up is certainly something that I can add to my regimen you have to
2: wake up early enough to do it <laughs> or to beat the up.
0: Uh, well, I guess as long as I have, yeah. have it right next to the bed, I should be good. And actually luckily for me, I work from home. So icing the foot actually will be less awkward oh, yeah, <laughs> than yeah, yeah. Doing, <laughs> doing that <laughs> than being in an office space. So employing those couple things, I think will definitely help. Um, and then I just, for myself, like I said, watch it really close as far as when I'm running and if it, is noticeably still in pain, you know, after a mile or two, then you know maybe I'll seek more counsel. <laughs> but yeah. but
1: well, uh, well, or know, go for maybe. you know, and again, if it's noticing more in pain after a mile or two, walk for five minutes, give it a break, mm-hmm. and then jump back into it and see if the pain still is there if then it's still there then then you've got to either take a break for the day take a break for a couple of days or start seeking more counsel
0: yeah <laughs> maybe that is a good transition over to triathlons like I mentioned I had had an episode and I've always eyed triathlons just as a, as a new challenge and also as you're getting older, you know everybody points to running to be one of the worst things for your joints and uh you know eventually your body will break down so hey swimming should be something that can uh be be less of an issue there as well as biking um two questions. Do you guys see the similar type of injuries or other injuries to look out for when people are doing swimming and biking? And then maybe even taking that back to running, is that an alternative for especially those foot injuries we're talking about? Can you move over to the bike for some amount of time and presumably wouldn't irritate your foot, but you're still getting some amount of exercise?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think right away, just um, being off of the foot yeah. I, I think with, when you're dealing with people who are like real hardcore triathletes and training for triathlons, I think you actually find that they don't have as many aches and pains because there is that cross training. Um, it's just, you know, you're, you're not training. They're fol- yeah. They're following their ABCs. It, Always be cross training. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're not doing the same repetitive stress um, you're still getting, you know, that cardio in, in different ways and you're still training every, maybe, you know, two, three, four, five, six times a week, whatever it is, but you're, you're not creating that repetitive strain on the same tissues. So, you know, if you are a runner and you're trying not to, you know, um, and you're having leg pain, foot pain, etc. um. You know, start, start trying to throw in a, a, a day on the recumbent bicycle, or if you do actually have a road bike, go out and, you know, do that road bike.
2: Or if you can't swim, go ahead and swim. Yeah. Um, but obviously... Swimming might be a little bit... Might make it worse just because of the... Not make not worse, but it might not help it just because you your your foot's always in that pointed position. So...
1: We'll agree to disagree on that.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to hurt it. I'm just saying... We'll agree with history on that one. <laughs>
1: um, but uh, yeah, what I, I mean, what I would say is, obviously, if you're if like my dad swims every single day, he has for mm-hmm. the last thirty five years, he has not had an issue his, in his shoulders or anything. For but that would that time. that would be the the problem area would be the shoulders. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, anytime that you do the same thing, and, and that's surprising, by the way. Um yeah, it's it is unique to him that anytime that you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, you run the risk of whatever joint you're actually working or putting the more most strain or stress through, you're running the risk of you know injuring that. Um for bike training, the big thing is probably low back. Yeah. Especially when you first get on it because you're much more in that flex position. Um uh, so that's something that we see with people who I, I've seen over the years, uh, many people who don't do their road bike you know, during the winter and then come in and all of a sudden in the spring when they start doing their weekly um, or uh, weekend type of writing that all of a sudden they have these low back pain symptoms, you know, sciatica, all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, then we start talking to them about their back positioning and so on and so forth, because you're stuck in that forward bent position. So, um, but, but to answer your question, you know, Triathletes in general tend to not, when they are really cross training, tend to not have as many issues. Um, it's when they get kind of pigeonholed into whatever, uh, whether it's biking, swimming. Yeah, if they're gonna really, do that repetitively, yeah. then it's gonna overstrain the shoulders in terms of the swimming, and it's gonna overstrain the back and the hips when biking and then really the lower legs when running too much.
0: That's good to hear. So at least that'll validate my plan of, I'm going to see what I can do for the, for the Boston time. If I don't make it, then I probably will switch somewhat permanently to <laughs> the cross training <laughs> method. I can't so do, you I one? Make- I do it in three. Yeah, I, I know I, the, this extra five minutes that they uh, took off to is, um, it's it's making me very sad at the moment. <laughs> so, um, so so that is definitely the plan for all the reasons you guys just mentioned. As far as the, the cross training is concerned, hopefully it'll keep me out there longer, and I'm not just uh, you know on the couch with injuries over and over again from doing one repetitive thing. Uh, I had one other question that I just thought of as far as equipment is concerned. Whenever I'm at the races, it seems like more and more people have the tape on either their arms or on their uh, I think mostly on their quads or hamstrings. I've never really looked into the purpose of
1: that. <laughs> what, is, what is the intent of that? Good question. Okay. So <laughs> and the question is how deep do you want to dive with this? Um, all there's right, a fucking so, dirty answer and then there's a, well. So um, the intent behind it. The intent is actually to so. There's several different layers of skin, muscle, etc. Right. The intent is actually to theoretically is theoretically yes. Let's let's put that. that in um, The the theory is is that you're moving that superficial epidermis layer, your skin, your skin, over the muscular layer, and then those things slide and glide over each yeah, other. Yeah. So if you were to feel
2: smoothly. if you were to feel your the top of your hand, and you can move your skin around. Right, that's what you want. You know, all the layers moving, separated from each other. This theoretically facilitates that better.
1: Yeah, and, and creates more okay. range of motion, uh, decreased tone in the muscles, etc. Um, the other major theory behind it is if you look at any kind of muscle or any kind of drawing, right, and, and these are actually fairly accurate, you can see that there are muscle fibers that when you get into the details of the drawings or pictures, there are there are certain directions that each muscle fiber is going to go. If you get like a good tape, a good pull along, uh, like parallel with a muscle, okay? Uh, Especially and, that that tape is, is kind of stretchy. Then the idea is that that's actually going to facilitate more – contraction in that area. And then on the opposite of that, if you're looking to say, you've got a muscle that's, that's firing too much on the opposite side of that is if you put them perpendicular to those muscle fibers and that will actually inhibit the muscle. So stop it from contracting as much. Yes. See how he just fills in all the the, the... (laughs) dumbs it down very quickly for me. That's perfect. Uh And so, so, uh, so there, there's more validity to the second part of that, okay, the uh, inhibit specifically inhibiting muscles, um, the facilitating of muscles is is somewhat sketchy. Dubious, in best, yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. the research isn't quite and, out on that. And when you that.
2: know, if you if you, that's what you're going to see mostly at the races, is, is people that are taping themselves to facilitate the muscle to work
1: better. Yeah, and but then when you actually look at the first theory behind kind of you know making that skin move over that lower uh, lower layer of tissue that one really is pretty dicey that yeah. that the research doesn't hold up on that in the end um people swear by it and if that's the case go for it yeah if there's a placebo effect meaning that yeah. you know there is no actual physiological effect but it makes you feel better then it then it works and yeah it's more psychosomatic great Whatever. Um, at the end of the day, we joke around all the time with our patients, with ourselves, that we don't care how you get better, whether it's all in your head, whether it's not in your head, whether it's something physiologically that's actually going on. As long as you are moving forward and able to continue to put one foot in front of the other from a running standpoint, from a walking standpoint, whatever it is, if you're actually moving forward within your symptoms, then it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to try it and see what happens, go for it. Yeah, you know? it's, it's definitely not going to hurt you. Yeah, and I, that's a great point. It's not going to hurt you. Um, it becomes I mean, it'll very hurt when you pull, if you're a man and you have a lot of hair. Well, but it becomes costly. If you're, <laughs> it does become costly if you're not like that. cape tape is, is
2: yeah, not cheap. Yeah, it is expensive.
1: It's not cheap. Yeah. Um. So if you are training a lot and doing it daily, that that can become very expensive. But, um. Yeah, it's not something. It's never my go-to. I mean, it's it's kind of like if we're if we're working with patients on this type of thing, it is pretty much the last thing in the bag that I would maybe say. oh, you know what? We're not getting anywhere. Let's try this, you know. And and if that helps, then that helps. Yeah, you know, unless someone's bringing it up. Okay.
0: Good. Well, that's something that I'll probably uh, keep to the side for myself, unless, like you said, I need some sort of a placebo effect when race day comes. Um, but. You don't want to go and do anything too too different from race day versus any of your training, so that expense no, yeah. may become yeah. a consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all the questions that I had. Anything that came to mind
1: from your guys' standpoint that we didn't cover? Gosh, I don't know. I think we rambled a lot. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I rambled a lot. Yeah, because you guys can can't.
2: You're good. You're good. <laughs> you got it.
1: Yeah. No, uh, no. I, I think the big thing is is just listen to your body. Um, pay attention to the small things
2: that you don't think that are causing the pain because generally the things that is causing the pain, isn't the, the thing that's right then, you know, as usual, you're causing the pain and then pain happens afterwards Yeah, and people and, you know, people tend to not associate those two things. Yeah. They'll think of the thing that they're doing immediately. They're like, nothing. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting on a couch.
1: Yeah. There, there's actually research that indicates that pain can come on up to 14 days after an incident, which is really, really discouraging for people because most people want to have this cause-effect relationship. And, you know, the analogy I always use is if you go outside and, you know, stub your toe on the, you know, on the, on the cement, you know exactly what that problem was. But if it's three hours earlier, you know, a day earlier that you actually injured yourself, are you ever going to make that connection? So really look into your past to really start to determine what the cause is and then start to alter that and see how then you can, and, and do that all at one time, or I'm sorry, um, just one thing at a time so that you can see how your body responds differently and you can kind of weed through some of that. But yeah, you don't
2: cool. want to, we're also not, at least I am specifically, I don't like giving out a lot of exercises at first, specifically because if you give out five or six exercises and the person has... Pain, you don't know what it was that caused it.
1: Yeah, or if I feel yeah. better, yeah. What it what, 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 what was health? it?
2: Do was it one of them that did it? And then we just do the one, it, or you know, it, it is it?
1: I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the same concept as an elimination diet, yeah. right? Like yeah. do one thing so you know the thing that's working. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and that's that's really where we, we like it, we kind of mentioned earlier. We do do these wellness consultations and they're not face to face. They're just over the Skype and whatnot. And that's really where we try to weed things out for people, um, and kind of just kind of dissect their habitual patterns and, and where, where those causes are. Um, and that's where sometimes you need that outside counsel to just, um, you know, kind of have that. Ask, ask the questions that you, you know yeah. may, may not know to ask yourself, but, um, No, I I think just listen to your body is my biggest thing that I I tell people all the time. Your body is, is telling you something. Don't try to just push through it just because you're too tough or, you know, most people who are coming to see us aren't world-class athletes or, and if they were at one point, they still aren't now. No. You know? So your body's, your body's wearing down and you got to pay attention to it. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to make things worse. So.
0: Can you go ahead and give your social media information where people can check out your show and ways to contact you? You can contact us at DIY therapy, uh,
2: 206 at gmail.com. If you have your own things we, you'd like us to cover, we'd be more than happy to, Talk about anything. Um, uh, we're you can find our podcast, at the DIY Therapy, pretty much everywhere. I've yeah, we're on a- iTunes. Um. There are some things I can't access because I don't have a Google phone, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I don't know what. So I don't know what, but I know we're on like Stitcher and or not Stitcher, but we're on like uh, Castbox. I just I know we're pretty much anywhere that is on there. Um, you can follow us at. We have an Instagram account at DIY Therapy Two Hundred Six, where you know I'll put up little snippets of of our podcast, and I'll, and sometimes like for this sort of thing, like I'll, I'll put up uh, uh, for the Nerve Glide. I we I'll usually kind of use that more for our exercises, and then mm-hmm. Twitter is just me just being a goofball, really. Yeah, and then we have DIY which is our. Our primary website, website yeah. where
1: you can get all of our podcasts. Um, we have,
2: you can, if you want a wellness consultation, you can sign up
1: for that. Yeah, we have, um, uh, we've actually have three different self-treatment books. Um, one for chronic pain, one for neck pain, one for low back pain that you can purchase. We have our other products that are on there. Um, and we also have all kinds of different treatment guides and treatment philosophies and, uh, uh, YouTube videos on, um, uh, on our website also. So, all kinds of different stuff that you can kind of access there.
0: Yep. Perfect. And I'll be sure, of course, to post some of the links onto the show description once we get this published. So hopefully folks uh, got some information for their own exercise program. So thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, that was for having fun. Us.
1: Yeah, we uh, we right. really enjoyed it too. So thank you. Great. Take care.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly shows, Please hit the subscribe button. Thank you. Suburban Folk is now part of the Pod All the Time Podcasting Network. Be sure to check out the other podcasts that are part of the group. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not designed to diagnose or treat. When beginning any exercise program, it should be reviewed and discussed with your medical professional prior to beginning. Information on this podcast is not designed to replace medical treatment.